Hello, my name is Michelle Yanachan, the wandering book collector, and this is my podcast, conversations with writers exploring what's informed their books and their lives around themes of movement, memory, sense of place, borders, identity, belonging, and home. This special edition of the Wandering Book Collector podcast is supported by Acilia. I'm joined by Emmanuel Jal, the author of War Child, a memoir of his years growing up in his country, Sudan, when it was rocked by civil war. Emmanuel was separated from his family and forced to become a child soldier. The book documents his time training with rebel armies, raiding villages, in refugee camps and fighting on the front line. He was one of more than 10,000 children carrying AK-47s at that time, who became known as the Lost Boys of Sudan. During the civil war, up to two million people were killed and millions more were displaced. On the cover of the book, there's a quote of Emmanuel's. I believe I've survived for a reason to tell my story, to touch lives. Since the publication of his book and release of a film of the same name, Emmanuel has become a world music and hip-hop artist and global peace ambassador. He's releasing his seventh studio album this month, title track, Shanga. Emmanuel, welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Near the beginning of the book, you write this, Emmanuel. Would I be able to run fast enough this time? Aunt Nyagai's hand took mine as Mama held on to the babies and we all started running. All around us, people were screaming. Dust and smoke filled the air. I could smell fire. Emmanuel, it seemed you were always running as a child, yet you often didn't know which direction you were travelling in. Was that apparent to you, even at that young age, constantly being on the run, or were you too little to process that? As I can recall, is this different situation where we run either with my mom or without my mom. Because something could happen and you are along the river. Sometimes the invaders do not give you a signal we are coming tomorrow. They can just sneak in, you know, like the antelope or the gunship. They know how to sneak themselves because they want to catch people unaware and do as much damage as possible. Yeah, I've been running and walking. It, it, it taught me a lot. And even since leave, leaving Sudan, you've continued to move, Emmanuel, around the world as a refugee, a migrant, a traveller, and now as an international itinerant musician, obviously in a very different way. Is that just how it is? nomadic is what feels most natural or does the flux make you long to stay in one fixed place you know when you run as a human being you always have hope that things will get better and you'll go back to where you left so on the back of your mind the past is always present the most challenging thing for us to move on is not letting go of the past. 
and detaching our emotion from the the pain they brought, you know, and it make us get stuck in the past because you see, often when I talk to people, I'll ask somebody a simple question: Who owns your mind? You know, because the battles are fought in the mind and they are won in the heart, and whoever owns your mind owns you and everything you create. And I describe what on my mind was fear, worry, anxiety, poverty. But what dominated my mind the most was something called trauma. And what is it? Sometimes I'll say, I would describe it as a soul murder, as a mental genocide, as an invasion of demons to occupy space in your mind. So you have flashbacks in the day and nightmares at night. I'd call it, it's a way to put a poison in somebody that will continue to fester even in their bloodline if they have not figured how to heal. Because trauma can be passed to the next generation. You can pass the emotions. You can pass the anxiety. You can pass the bitterness. And so as a kid, I didn't know what trauma is. In our survival time, we're busy running from one place to another. There's always something happening. Now that war took the call of my family. All my aunties died in All my uncles, except two, you know? Now there's, there's the things that of my family that I see, you know? The last image I remember was my mother running that and me running this way and there was fire everywhere. Now, that image, over a long period of time, it has gone. But my mother's face, I used to remember it. Now I can't remember how my mother looked like. I can no longer remember. But when I was 12, I was 13, I was uh, seven, I could remember. I don't know what erased it. But this permanent, I always say like, physical scars, can heal and we can see they've healed, but internal scars take lifetime. I still have memories, you know, the, one of the most disturbing memory because I do not know what rep is as a kid is watching my aunt ripped as we watch. And as a kid, I couldn't understand what was happening. She's crying, she's being beaten. And we could just watch helplessly. Now that image gets stuck in my head. And now, watching the soul of my village burn down, what I can say is, is to speak in honesty is bitterness, you know? Now, when I was given an opportunity to become a child soldier, or even walking in the journey. Two things were motivating me. One desire was I always want to be a part of a solution in the future. But when that desire disappeared, one, called bitterness right now, motivated me to stay alive and revenge for my family. Will you write down the words also of the rebel commander who said to you, always remember, the gun is your mother and father now. And you continue, I looked at him. I had a family, a home again. The training was over. I was a soldier. I was going to war. 
Was that how it felt, Emmanuel, that your gun as your protector replacing your parents and your siblings replaced by, by fellow child soldiers? There's a certain unity as of being in a group, in a collective, uh, uh, collectiveness to, to work together. Now, when gun become your father and your mother, the soldiers are your family. So we've been brainwashed. In terms of brainwash is even if your dad is on the side of the enemy, you can kill your dad. It's amazing what they do, how, how kids' minds can be just cleaned up. When you thought about home at those times, Emmanuel, during those years of fighting and, and constant movement, did you think about family or did you think about place, your village or your community? I was thinking about home. You left your home is destroyed. You know, you run from one place to another. Like just the memory of home, when you try to remember home, home just tears you apart because your last memory is what you remember of home is how it's gone down. Now you can miss home when there's something good you left behind. What do you do with memory when your memories are this harrowing? I think in the past night, I hated nights because when I sleep, nightmares comes. And I long for the day, but I hated the days because the traumatic experience of the past will come. How did my uh, past experience impact me? They impact me in school. When the teacher is teaching, my head is stuck in the past. I have a pen stuck on my hand. And sometimes I, I would just wish the teacher asked me a question, Jal, what is in your head? And nobody did. And so imagine, how did that impact me? It took my ability to focus. Now, when the teacher is talking in the class, it's painful. I have desire to learn, but my mind was not willing to collect it. Only now that I came to understand that trauma occupy a lot of mental space. And anything that is difficult and challenging is no reason. So you're stuck in the past. So the faculties of your mind that are responsible for long-term project, which is planning, strategy, organization, to do the mathematically difficult, are shut down. So the part that was interesting for me was the art, the dance, the PE. This is the thing I'm interested in. I'm interested in stories. I was not interested in logic and reasoning. That was too difficult for my process. Now I understand because now I'm beginning to learn. But then I couldn't. So it's like trying to reason with somebody who's super traumatized is difficult because they don't have enough mental space. Their bandwidth is like a kid and it takes a while to, to develop it. And so the, the only journey after I went through a lot of healing to, to clean up my mind, that's when I'm able now to detach myself from the pain of the past. And now I can see the value of those experiences now. Because you don't see the value that your challenges has brought you when you hold your pain to those emotions. You credit your survival, Emmanuel, to an aid worker, Emma McCune, who smuggled you on a plane to Kenya and, and into a more normal childhood where kids went to school. Here are a couple of lines from a song you wrote called Emma. I got a reason for being on this earth because I know more than many what a life is worth. 
And Emma wanted you to be educated and you did get yourself through school at a later stage of life with some qualifications. And you're now dedicating much of your energy, I know, to supporting educational programs for those affected by war and genocide through your charity, Gua Africa. Is that your compass now, Emmanuel? What has education done to me? Education has enlightened me. It has opened my mind to see things differently. Now I can listen. Now I can read. Now I can plan. I can organize. I can have ideas and I can pursue them. You know, education, as they say, knowledge is power. So I was given a gift of power to go to school. And so, because when you're educated, you increase your self-worth by learning and putting things into your mind, by installing new softwares to allow you to function. And on earth, you're as valuable as the problem you can solve. So I was given that opportunity by Emma. She rescued 150 child soldiers. And is that motivating you now, is to try to pass on the gift of education? Yes, the gift of education now. We have Gua Africa, a charity that we founded. We built a school in honor of Emma, but now it has been destroyed by the war. When things cool down, we will continue to keep our legacy. We'll have to continue building Emma Academy. And, and that will be the school. What she has done in South Sudan is massive. You enlighten one soul that has a desire to make a difference in the world. That's it. Ultimately, it's music that's become what you do and, and a tool to support Gua Africa. And you performed with Moby, Bono, Peter Gabriel, and in 2005 at the concert Live 8, Africa Calling. In the book, you describe the feeling just as you're about to play. And I quote, For a moment, I looked down and saw a shadow of the boy I'd once been standing beside me. He was small, his eyes full of pain and his gun heavy. Once, before I'd learned to transform the hate burning inside this boy into love, I had wanted to leave him behind. But now I knew I never wanted to forget the message the war child had taught me. We had travelled so far together to reach this place and I would carry him with me as I started a new journey. In this, your new album releasing this month, Manuel, you state how the songs are meant to rewire the brain for a positive life. I wanted to ask you how you've turned it around, Emmanuel. Shall we talk about forgiveness or closure or however you want to define it? Well, to turn things around, it's a whole process that, that I had to go through. And the first step was to liberate my heart from the bitterness. And the second step was to unite my mind and my heart to work together. Because my mind was working separately and my heart was doing its own thing. Now, when I was able to unite my heart and my mind, then I could face the trauma in my mind. And when I was able to, to face my demons, then I was able to see things differently. Now, the, for me to experience peace, the first freedom that I experienced when, when I was able to let go and forgive, that's when I experienced real freedom, that, that the joy in my heart, that you can actually 
let go and the weight is off and you're completely different. Now, when I discovered that and I say, how do I keep this? That my heart is warm. That, and that's where I spend most of my time to try to master how to keep it. And I realized for me to keep that joy in my heart, I have to walk in my purpose every day to activate my joy. And part of forgiveness and gratitude are all the pillars of your purpose. And my purpose as a kid was simple, to be a part of a solution. That's what I used to dream. How can I be among the people making a difference? Um, in the lyrics of your music, you mix up languages, Nua and Dinka and Arabic and English. Is this saying who you are, paying homage to your heritage, or is this blending your activism? So I was limited in terms of words and languages because I did not grow properly to understand the art of the language that I spoke in the village. So if, if when I lack a word here in English, I put some Arabic. When I lack some word in Arabic, I put some Swahili. But now I'm evolving. So English is becoming stronger because I speak English more and I read more books in English. So I can begin to mix the languages. And so there is mixing the language, there's so much freedom in it. It's it's what fit and musical is what I like to borrow from the other language and put in. Towards the end of the book, Emmanuel, you write about the politics of Sudan, about the peace talks about government planes bombing Darfur as the Janjaweed militia also moved in. In your words, to slaughter men, women and children in violence, echoing all I had seen as a child. But where Muslim and Christian had once fought each other, the government was now killing its own black Muslims who had fought and died for it in the war against the South. It's hard to draw lines in war. There are so many groups with so many agendas and the lines blur. Does reconciliation sometimes feel out of reach? Goodness is present in every human being. But when you have reasonable leaders, even though if they have extreme powers, they know how to balance. They know in the end we have to coexist and they'll find better ways to, for people to cooperate. So reconciliation is possible. The person who's hurt does not want to, to, they just want to have peace. You know, most of us right now may want peace in Congo, but the reality is we use coal town from Congo. There's a lot of mining goes on from Congo. So we are playing part in the genocide. If they tell you, hey, once we give Congo peace and everything work, every, all the raw materials and they manage everything, okay, iPhone prices are going to go up to $3,000 if you're to buy it for 1000 Now, who? some people may not like it. They'll turn a blind eye. And so now when you come here, you realize I am now here. I'm part of a, I'm part of a genocide. So we have all been mixed together. You could be in England. You, your hedge funds or or your retiring money has been invested in an oil field, yeah? and that oil field invested in a, ga in, in a gas that, that want to dig oil in a lake in Congo. So they have to cut the forest and kill all the wildlife and chase the people. You have no idea, you not know, your money is being used to create genocide. So it's like everybody is about their interest because the pain is not close to you, it's not touching your family. 
you will not feel it. But now the greatest thing is we live in the modern world now where we're all connected. We live in the time of Martin Luther King dream. Now we know each other, you know this, it's, there are people, there's a global unified community that see every human being the same. And that's the only hope we have right now. Well, your relationship with not only your country, but your family is, is not easy, Emmanuel. And you write about how some bonds cannot be broken inside. And their stories, that's your family you're speaking of, are the ones that threaten to send me back to bitterness because we are tied together in blood. You go on, it was sad to return to Sudan and no, I didn't feel close to my family anymore. I hope that one day my family and I will reconnect. Do you, do you believe you will? What happened, the war ripped people apart. Now, this, this is not your... If your husband went to war and come back, that's not the same... That's not the husband he had. They've become something different. So now you connect back to your, you long to connect. That connection need to, it need to be nurtured, need to be built. And so I'm just with my sisters, with my brothers, the only from the same mom, we can have an understanding. But it's not as the same as we as kids. Something is lost. So when war come, it divide, it brings divide among the family. So you have to figure out how do we unite again? And and one of your sisters who I've interviewed, Nyarauj, um, you're also making music with. So there is a there is a relationship there of sorts, isn't there? The beauty through music, we're able to connect easily. We have joy. It's where we go to heaven. But she she has her own she has her own life. She she went through so much. She has her own stories and her own demons that she has to find out and find a way to overcome them. We, we can only support unconditionally. So what I'm trying to say is, for you as a human being, when you come from a home that is broken, if you do, do everything without expecting anything in return. It has to be unconditional support or love that you're providing. Manuel, what are you writing now? Is it lyrics? Is it scripts for public talks? Is it another book you're hatching? We just completed a book called My Life is Art. And so, which now take the perspective, it's more deep on how I heal. So some of the war child, there's some things that I sense that I do not get into the war child book because it's more about healing. It's more about imagination. And it's what's exciting. The only coolest thing that helped me right now is imagination that I used to apply as a kid because I discovered something with imagination. I can imagine my future in a negative way as a kid and it would terrify me, it would rob me the whole day. Or imagine my future in a beautiful way and ask questions, how do I get there? And how that one became so exciting because I would imagine myself as a teacher, as a lawyer, or as anybody, as a pilot, as a doctor, because with our imagination, what we can build is unlimited. It's infinity. And so where I am today is just imagining. I was never an artist, 
But I saw a musician sing and I imagined myself to be that. I couldn't even hold a mic or hold a note. I was kicked out of the studio, but I kept on imagining that I'm going to be on the stage. And then I just figured out how to get there. And so now, what I came to realize how powerful imagination is, like this morning, I was using my imagination. You know, I was just, I hope it will go strong like the way I used to be as a kid. When I was a kid, it used to be very clear. Now I'm just struggling. How do I make my imagination so clear like the way it was as a kid? I wish every school would just teach the kids to learn how to use their imagination in a positive way. Even kids to play imagination game, you know. And that's what my life is at is all about. Basically, how did I heal myself? And so I have a, a meditation app called My Life is Art, but it works in a simple way. What is it that you want to change in your life? If you deal with anxiety, you just say, I am courage 200 times a day. 200 times a day, I am courage. Thank you, Creator, for giving me courage. I am courage, like 200 times. And then what would that do? It will create a belief. It will trigger your brain. Once it creates beliefs, those beliefs will ignite the emotions that will give you courage. So when I have a challenge, all I have to do is go to the old ways, find a mantra, repeat it, learn about that mantra, and then I act it, and then apply imagination, and that's it. So to transform your life is not a one-day thing. You need a lifetime commitment. Finally, I wanted to ask you, as the nomad that you are, are there some journeys that you still want to make? Well, I love, I love, uh, you know, my name is Jal, which means traveler, visitor, walk. You know, I would love to visit Japan, you know. I want to visit India, you know. I'm going to go to Korea, yes, South Korea. I'll be going to South Korea. I want to visit Vietnam one day. You know, and so the music I have has given me easy way to which to go have different places that I can travel in. It's, it's, it's one of the coolest jobs, you know. Imagine, I never knew you can get paid for just singing. Like you get paid to tell stories. Emmanuel Jell, thank you for joining me on The Wandering Book Collector and my thanks to the supporter of this special edition, Asilia. And listen up. This is the title song from Emmanuel's new album, Shanga.